Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a cufflink maker, and I love films. As Maya Angelou once said, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Imagine being the writer of the never-ending story and not even getting a chance to start it. It's unthinkable, quite honestly. Just torture. Yes, Maya, that's a very good point. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Kevin Smith, Jamila Jamil, and even Zed Rambles. But this week is the award-winning comedian, writer and actor, Mr. Phil Nickel. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you'll get an extra 20 minutes with Phil. We talk about beginnings and endings. He tells a disgusting secret and you get the whole episode uncut and as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Ted Lasso season two is now available on Apple TV Plus so you can watch the whole show in one go. And also Soulmate season one is on Amazon Prime so you can watch them both. Yeah, why not? Live your lives. So... Phil Nickel is a legend on the UK and world comedy scene. When I was starting out, he had just won the biggest prize in comedy in the UK, the Edinburgh Fringe Comedy Award, and he continues to be as prolific, original and hilarious as ever. As an actor, he's been in so much stuff, too much stuff to name, and most recently he appeared in the show Everybody's Talking About Jamie. We recorded this on Zoom a couple of days ago. It was so fun to hang out with him for a bit. I was really grateful for his time, and I think you're going to love it. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 168 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and Hi. welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I'm being interrupted today by a actor, a musical star, a podcaster, a comedian, an award winner, a legend of the UK and possibly the entire world's comedy circuit, a hero to us all. It's amazing to have him here. Please welcome to the show the brilliant Mr. Phil Nicholl. Oh, thank you, Brett. That was how lovely. A legend to all. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I think that's kind of in in the title. A legend sort of means to everybody. I guess you could be a legend to your family. But... You're a legend. People are often legends in their own lifetime. Some people are legends beyond their lifetime. I think you'll be one for many, many years. You are a legend. <laughs> 
Have I? Okay. Yeah, I think when I started yeah. comedy is when you won the greatest prize in all of comedy. <laughs> yes, they said it was the the Oscars of comedy. I doubt that really, but it was the um the it was the If Dot Comedy Award or the Perry Award is what yeah. it was. Yeah. And I was actually did an interview earlier today with the BBC and mm-hmm. we were talking about you because I was telling him that I was doing a podcast with you. And I was remembering a gig that we did at I think it was called Crack Comedy. It's in 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 Putney un, yes. under the uh, under yeah. under the walkabout, under the walkabout pub. yeah. And I think and I think you it was quite early on in your career because I was thinking mm-hmm. we were talking about your your most more, more recent success. And I was thinking I had been going for a very long time at that point, and you were a relative newcomer. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to see that you've gone from that. Do you remember that gig? It used to smell bad because the toilet yeah. was backed up. <laughs> I remember one. What ha- did that gig go well? I'm, I don't remember if that gig went well. But what I uh, go I, on. It went well for you. I don't know how it oh, went okay. for me. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. It, but it was it was very much one of those. You think you stand on. You, there was no stage. You sort of stand on the floor in front of an audience. Um, it was always a pretty good gig, though. You're stood in piss. I remember it's sort of by the toilets, and you're stood in piss. <laughs> But I, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen you have a bad gig, Phil Nickel. And I will say this: you're no. you're almost impossible to follow. Whenever, if ever I have a gig and you're on before me, I'm always like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> and no, uh, no. but that walkabout gig, I did it once with um, Rob Deering, where he, yeah, th- three minutes before the end, the the audience was so horrible. There was such a dickhead in the audience oh. that he was like, "All right, we're not finishing the gig <laughs> until you leave." And and the person was like, fuck off, I'm not leaving. And then there was like a whole standoff and the security came down and then security security took the audience's side because security were like, actually, you comics can be quite rude to people. And we were what? like, what is going no on? No way. Yeah. That's not right at yeah. all. That's What you want is you want the bouncer to come in. Well, this yeah. is what they do at the, the comedy store in London is those guys are so big and so calm. They just walk over and look at them and then tap them. And then you most people just at that point realize it's a no-win battle and leave. <laughs> but if the bouncer takes the side of the audience, you're kind of screwed. Yeah you're fucked um, um man that's... now listen phil nickel you have been as far as i understand you have been playing in the hit show everybody is talking about jamie is that correct that's the for, one, yeah. for quite some time you did you did a how long did you do it for please tell me well i well i started in like uh about four years ago so the, i think it was 2017 is when it started and i was in the original west end production so i'm mm. on i'm on like the the um, cast recording album, which right. is like a bucket, bucket, bucket list thing for me. Yeah, as someone that's never considered themselves a singer, it was pretty special. That's and then, cool. I, and then I went back in again. I, I, I ducked out and I did a, a tour of a solo stand-up show called "You're Wrong," which, which went all over the world. Like, went to like fifteen countries and did like one hundred and thirty shows. And then I went back into oh, the West nice. End and did Jamie again. And then they asked me to come back at the end of last year in, in the middle of the lockdown because Shane Ritchie was playing the, the character and he was going right. to be in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And oh, then but... he, he was stuck in the castle wherever it was in Wales. And I went and yeah. did all the rehearsals, but only performed it twice. And then I went back in this year for the last 10 weeks and it's just closed. Wow. It's just finished. So four times. Tell me this. I'm curious because you are a stand-up comedian and you're used to going out every night and doing whatever you want. And everybody is talking about Jamie as an amazing show, and I bet it was a wild time. But did you ever think, after a few weeks, were you like, oh, I want to do other things? Were you frustrated by being stuck to a script, or was it always a joy? 
I really enjoyed it. The script is really good. It's written by a guy called yeah. Tom McRae, who um, writes in, lives in LA or between LA and London, writes on a show called The Librarians. Yeah, I've met know him that? actually. You know He's really brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, he used to. He reminded me that I, he was the comedy programmer at Goldsmiths College years ago. Oh, Do you wow. remember Goldsmiths used to have yeah. those comedy stand-up shows? And he was he was the guy that programmed it. So he's gone from that being like the young, you know, he used to look up to me. <laughs> he used to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, the, script, the script for everybody who's talking about Jamie is really, really funny. It's mm. exceptionally funny. So... You know, it's not much different than doing your own script in that you know where the laughs are going to come and you know that they're guaranteed. And um, it's mm-hmm. a, it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun doing something different. Not to mention it's about a 40-minute tube ride from my house. So oh, compared nice. to... Co- com- <laughs> yeah, and no hotel rooms. So I didn't have to go to oh, Sheffield sweet. and stay in the, in the, uh, the Oyo Hotel. <laughs> or wherever That's great. Stay. Yeah. Um, uh, Phil. Yeah. Phil, fuck. I've forgotten to tell you yeah. something. What's up? I forgot to tell you something, what? and I should have told you. What? I should have told you at the beginning, or on email, or no, by. No, I could have what? tweeted you, I suppose. But no, what? What is nah, it? No, 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 no. I should have. Uh, no, I'm, please, just, no. Just spit it out. Spit it out. I'm an Come idiot, on, Phil. Brett. I should have said. I should no. have said it. Brett, I'll just say, get. Just spit it out, mate. You've died. You are dead. Sorry, what? You're you're dead. <laughs> I I'm, I'm dead. You're dead. Well, dead. Where? How? What? Well, dead. dead. How is? Uh, dead. How did you? How, 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 how did you? How did you die? I. It was my own fault. Oh, I knew um, it. Yeah. <laughs> what did I you do? I. Well, it was. It's accident, ironic, really. Yeah. It. Well, not on my behalf. Mm. I. I. I was playing. I was playing Russian roulette with a mate, and <laughs> I. I, I I have my my friends just don't take me seriously ever. Mm. So we were holding guns at each other's heads. Right, right. And 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 he and he went ah, there's no bullets in here. I went yeah, you're right. Then he pulled the trigger and and, and blew the back of my head off. Yeah. So it's a Russian roulette murder. Well, is it is it murder if I told if him you, to pull the trigger? I mean, it's a great question and uh, one one we'll be dealing with in court. <laughs> the irony is right. Mm-hmm. There's that I. I, I didn't think he was going to pull the trigger because I didn't. And people, it's just the way I am. I'm, I'm kind of hard to read sometimes. And I think he just took me the wrong way. God, this is like what happened to Hamilton. Oh, man. It is. It is. God, very you, died, <laughs> you died like Hamilton, a real hero. Yeah. Um, and there will be a, a musical about me in, in the near future. <laughs> Lynn by Lynn Miranda. <laughs> and <laughs> you can play me. You can play me I would it. Lo- it would be an honor. It would be an honor. <laughs> um, what, what, do, what do you worry about death, Phil Nickel? You know what? I, when I was growing up, well, I, I mean, I was, I was raised in this quite a devout, born-again Christian family in the Brethren Assembly. So like, like, a, like a mixture of between the Amish and Quakers. Oh, really? And so, and so the afterlife and the idea of heaven and and post-life was always something that was really forefront in my upbringing and in my mind. In fact, it terrified me uh, mm. going to hell, uh, which is kind of what they do. And then, and then I, when I left, I sort of escaped from that to going to acting school when I was about 17 or so. And I, I started looking into other world religions. You know, I started reading 
up on like Hinduism, and I thought I'll finish that in the next life. And then, and then I, and then I read some. I was sort of reading about the Buddhists, and the Buddhists actually believe that you should contemplate your own death or death as a concept daily in order to alleviate yourself from the fear of it. And I don't know if I really believe in many of the tenets of any of the major religions, but that's always stuck with me as something that allows you not to be afraid of death is to to just accept that, to try and imagine what it would be like not being here. It, it, it allows you to live in a kind of a, in a kind of a reversed law of reversed effort. So when you imagine what it's like to not be here, do you imagine something else or do you imagine nothingness? What do you think is an, is there an afterlife? Well, I I don't believe in the afterlife and that it'll be the corporeal life. It'll be I I once had a I once had a hallucination uh, at a festival that we were that we were alive that we return to our original consciousness, which is sort of a an amalgam of all our consciousness to, to together. Mm-hmm. And in that in that hallucination, I was hearing this lovely music, this beautiful orchestral music that was being played, and I realized that I was actually in control of it, and it was being it was being composed as I was thinking it, and then I realized it was me that was the the thing it was expressing it, and that's about as close to wow. what I think it could possibly be, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. This this consciousness you saw was it visual? Could you see a thing, or was it a feeling? No, it was a feeling. It wasn't, there was no physical sensation. It was just a feeling. And the music was, I was aware of other uh, kind of other consciousnesses or, or creatures. Or the creatures is not the right word because it was, it's more like, it, like a large, large collection of thought and sound and music and light. So, yeah. yeah if you remember in Space Odyssey, the, since it's a film po- uh, podcast, yeah. in Space Odyssey, when he, when he travels, Spoilers. there's that one bit at the end where there's like, where there's like a, a big, like tri- trippy psychedelic light and color yes. uh, and sound, um, but it, it was a it was a bit like that, maybe a bit like wow. that. I love yeah. that. And since then, were you like, oh, everything's all right? Well, I came back. Like when I came back to consciousness, I was actually lying on the grass kissing my girlfriend. Oh wow! So so maybe it was that that. That's a fucking that. great kiss. <laughs> it was it was all right, wasn't it? That's a that is a truly transcendent kiss. <laughs> it's, it's one. It's one I'm not going to forget. It's a weird. Yeah. It's a weird. It, I mean, it's not as uh, I'm not as um, kooky as it, as it makes out. It just I just hallucinations happen, and that I kind of had this. It was so wild. Wow. Yeah, really. Just yeah, I was just I was just really relaxed. I think, and I mean, you know, um, David Lynch, obviously the filmmaker, is is I love him. Yeah, and so you know he has the David Lynch Foundation, which studies transcendental meditation. Yes, and he did it at, at festival. He was there doing a seminar, a, a talk, and trying to sort of in, introduce people to his foundation. Which, on the surface, you could think it's David Lynch, so you, you have to you sort of trust him as a filmmaker and as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and but at the same time those sort of things sort of because of my background kind of freaked me out a little because I think belonging to a large group like that feels a little cultish. However, the meditation techniques and the things that he was teaching people sort of led to a kind of, I don't know how you put it, a higher thought or a, I guess that's what people do when they meditate, right? They try and take themselves to outside their bodies and and try and have those kind of those kind of things. So that's that's where that came from. And I, and I when I, I studied acting in 
many years ago in the 80s. And mm -hmm. part of our training was to do uh, meditation techniques. And we were studying Meisner and, and Strasberg and sort of the, the idea of doing sense memory and instant recall for as an acting technique. And yeah. part of it was to lie on your back, slow your breathing down, slow your pulse down and concentrate on colors. And uh, they attach them to memory to, so that you could recall them quickly if you had to on stage. So if you had to cry, you could cry. Or, oh, and wow. I never really, I never really found that helpful for me mm. personally, but because I'd done some of that meditation stuff there, I think that's where that moment came from. So, I love it. I absolutely yeah. love do you, that. Do you, do, you, do you actually like it? Or do you I think really, no, I really, really like it. And do, you I think, do, do you think I'm crazy? I don't think you're crazy at all. You've talked about all my favorite things. I, I, okay. I, I love okay. transcendental meditation. I love David Lynch. And I love yeah. kissing a girl and having a discovery of universal <laughs> consciousness. <laughs> it was, it felt like that. I yeah. mean, I've I talked to, I've got friends who kind of got into to, um, smoking DMT and stuff like that. It's quite, it's quite popular with comedians at the moment. Have you done that? Well, many years ago, many, many years ago. I'm not, I'm, I'm actually very uh, I'm, I'm sober and I'm an old yeah. man. I'm an old man. I'm an old man, Brad. But, but, uh, but part of that experience is that you, you leave your system and you go mm. into this other kind of, strange world terence mckenna talks about it in about the uh the chrysanthemum and that you you actually get taken away by he calls them mechanical elves do you know much about that no terence Ter mckenna it, it, everyone that's uh, the, the difference between having like a hallucination on something like lsd or or magic mushrooms or something like that is that it's everyone has their own experience and they mm -hmm. see beetles on their arms or their rainbows or whatever. But with, with DMT, everyone has the exact same hallucination or very similar. People describe the same things, even though they're not prompted when they come out of it. And that's mm -hmm. you these little creatures that go in your eyeballs and give you knowledge and laugh at you. And they're very welcoming. And Terrence McKenna calls them mechanical elves. And you can Google it. I'm not, I'm not making wow. it up. And it's something, and it's something, but that, I guess it's kind Kind of in that realm it exists in your head and it's in the in the mm. penal gland the the gland that opens up when you pass away so there is something mystical about it i'm not really a spiritual person though because i've come from this very um, religious family i've kind of more of a realist really well phil nickel i got news for you baby there's a heaven <laughs> there's a heaven <laughs> yeah. and you yes, are welcome in it and in this oh, heaven you. oh listen everyone's a huge fan they're delighted you're here they're frankly delighted oh, you played russian roulette very dangerously in <laughs> this you. heaven it's uh, filled with your favorite thing what's your favorite thing uh blueberry pancakes it's blue it's wall-to-wall -wall blueberry pancakes the, by heaven. which i mean the walls <laughs> are made of blueberry pancakes and, well, i love it and the chairs is there is there canadian bacon canadian yep. bacon and you can wow the floors are making bacon. The place <laughs> fucking stinks. And uh, <laughs> are you a vegan? Are you a vegan? No, no. I've seen. No. I'm, I'm happy in your heaven. Everyone's oh, there. Okay. They're very. They're very happy to see you, and they want to talk about your life. But weirdly, okay. they want to talk yeah. about your life through film because they're obsessed what? with film. That's it's mad, nuts. isn't it? That's mad, it's isn't nuts. it? That's what I was thinking. What? F films are just. Films are a reflection of life, so why would they do like live life to a reflection it. of it? They want their Canadian bacon, their blueberry pancakes, and they want to talk about <laughs> films. And the first no. thing they ask you is, what's yeah. the first film you remember seeing, Phil Nickel? You know what? Just to caveat the discussion, because one of the things that happened because of the way that I was raised in a very loving, very kind and 
wonderful family. I love my family. So don't, I don't want to take this the wrong way. My mom and my dad are absolutely wonderful people who do anything for you, but they were a bit, they didn't like things that were blasphemous or sacrilegious. And they mm. didn't, we didn't really get to watch much secular television or listen to secular music or watch secular films because yeah. we're, we were, being taught to sort of worship Jesus and mm-hmm. and follow the, follow the so we didn't want to be taken away from that but, but there were some wholesome things that we were allowed to do but going to the going to the pictures wasn't one of them but I do remember that my one of my first memories is my aunt Maisie in Glasgow when I was about four or five or six before I moved to Canada took us to see Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in the cinema. Oh, wow. So that would have been that would have that would have been nineteen seventy seventy one. How old were you? Do you remember? I I think I would have been about six years old, maybe. So, so, I moved to Canada when I was four, and then we there, were there for ten months, and then I moved back to Scotland when I was about, four, about five, and then I was there for about two years, and then moved back to Canada again and finished my education there. So when you do you remember being like, holy fucking shit, what's this? Well, it was it was a huge experience. I think yeah. that's why it's such a, a vivid memory because I'd never been in one of those things before, so it felt like I was doing something. Uh, any large um, group of people I'd been around would have only been at the church. Yeah. Yeah. I went to church five times a week till I was 15 years old, Brett. Wow. Me. I know, and you know me. <laughs> You're yeah. Like, no. Yeah. This, it explains this a lot. This is explaining it? so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've literally just given me the key to film. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah. I was, also, I was also really small for my age. I was a tiny little boy. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had, when, I'm, when I was, I came up to everyone my, my age, they came up to their shoulders. And when I moved to Canada, I, I skipped a grade because the British school system meant that I was, uh, it was just a better school system. So I filled, I was able to do all the tests and I, I skipped a grade up. So I was actually elbow height to everyone that I went to school with. And, yeah. and I also had a clinical stutter and a really bad lisp. So, and a Scottish accent. And yeah. I had to wear, I, I wore a school uniform, but in Canada, they don't wear school uniforms. And I wasn't allowed to wear denim because denim was the devil's fabric. Wow. So it's fair to say that I got, I got picked on a lot. Like I had my head pushed in lockers and oh, held upside Phil. down in garbage bins and all sorts. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm cool now, Brett. You're fucking cool. <laughs> You're fucking cool. You did it. Thank you, man. Thank you. But you know, it's all, as long as I'm in heaven. Yeah, you listen, and everyone's like, "This guy's the fucking coolest guy we've had in here." Uh, what, what, what's the film that made you cry the most? I imagine you're a crier. I could be wrong. I am you're a, a sensitive man. I'm a cry. I'm a crier. In fact, about four or five years ago, I had to research it because I found myself crying so much. Oh yeah, uh, like like daily, and I've done this from when I was whenever I can remember. I used to be horribly embarrassed about it. And then as I got involved in acting and stuff like that, I realized it's not a bad thing to be able to get it's yourself really to cry. Yeah, it's not bad, right? It's pretty yeah. good trick. It's a good trick. And um, <laughs> but I, I used to cry so much. I cry so much. I actually believe that it's good for you. And I mm-hmm. and I researched it, looked into some papers that have been done, and they believe that as men could become older, they cry more. And as women mm. become older, they cry less. Wow. Uh, they think it has something to do with childbirth and the pain of childbirth, which uh, gives a woman a much deeper backstop than men. And that, oh, and that men become more sentimental and more effeminate as their libido dies off. And that you actually may even be releasing toxins through your 
through your tear ducts. So I, I've oh. always found the real a real release in crying. So you, so c- crying is getting rid of toxic masculinity. We're all crying it out. Well, oh yeah. Well, I never thought of it like that, but yeah. But you, you know, when you see old guys, like I lived in Little Italy in Toronto, and you see the old guys used to sit in the morning with their little coffees, their espressos, and little, that little uh, mm. cup of whatever it is. Um, it's not ouzo, but the Italian version, where they and they and they. You can see them sentimentally. You see it in old, old men in pubs here, in the Legion pubs, where, where you just see men crying every so often because they just got reminiscing, and I think maybe get topped up with emotion. I don't know, Brett. But I, when mm. I was a teenager, there was a film that I remember this being the most moving film at the time, and I haven't seen it since. So it's probably it may be trashy, but it, it was a Steve Gutenberg film called Something for Joey, and Such something a- something. What's that? I'm just so excited what? that you've said that. What? It's like it's never come up on here. Do you know something for Joey, Steve? I believe I know what it is. But go on, tell but me. Yeah. Well, it's based on. I'm going. I just because I made it. I made a note of it because I want to make sure that I get it. I get this absolutely right. Um, mm. Something for Joey is a true story. It, it's a docudrama. It's like a documentary. Not not a documentary. A docudrama about a Heisman College player called John Capaletti and his younger brother, Joey, who had leukemia. And when this football player, uh, played by Steve Gutenberg, goes to, wins the Heisman Trophy, which is like the college trophy for quarterbacking, Mm -hmm. he said he was doing it for his little brother, Joey, who was at that point having a downturn because of his leukemia. And then you find out at the end that that Joey has has indeed passed away and and that this... A footballer John Capaletti did something for Joey and I I remember as a young boy I might have been 11 or 12 or 13 when it came out I remember finding it really hard to get over and knowing that it was true mm. it made me maybe cry and cry and cry till my mom had to help me and explain to me why other kids die so what did she say well I mean remember it's through the through optics of Christianity yeah. so it was that that um, everything happens for a reason. It's a test for you, and that good you take good things away, and good things can come from bad things, and and not all good things end up good. So, wow. and you know, so I I went on to try and I got into high school football. I wanted to win that really? trophy, Brett, but <laughs> I'm four foot five <laughs> at that point. <laughs> I didn't hit puberty until yeah. I was nineteen. I was the smallest kid at school. Bloody hell, man. <laughs> There's a small, crying, stuttering Scottish kid that w- that wasn't You're allowed just to. You got piloted on. You got piloted on. What yes. is the film that scared you the most? Do you like being scared? Yeah, I do actually. I think I, I, the, the the scary movies that I like are more the ones that are kind of uh, make you uncomfortable. I, I, I like. Remember, remember when I started. So what got sneaking out to watch movies when I was 15 and 16 and I'd sneak around with my friend Barry Davis, who, when he was 16, bought a Lada and then we were free to go wherever we want. We would go and see he's a, he went to film school and he is now a an executive producer at the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. He does documentary films and stuff like that. But he because of him. I didn't really go and see like Porky's and like 19, like eighties films like that. And uh, you know, the original Ghostbusters didn't see it. We went mm. to see really weird stuff like Bill Forsyth movies <laughs> and um, 
and we went to see like uh, Kiss. There's a movie called Kiss that I was going to talk about. It's Molly Parker, which is a Canadian indie film about a girl who gets a job in an, embalm- an embalming book, dead bodies, and becomes a necrophiliac. And her boyfriend, who's a, a, a studying psychology, gets involved in her psychology and falls in love with her. Anyway, I won't spoil the movie for you, but but that but the movie that scared me the most. Mm-hmm. The one that the one that affected me the most is Old Boy. It's a Korean. Oh yeah, love Old uh, Boy. It's a Korean suspense, and it's about a guy who goes out drinking with his daughter on her birthday, and they, they, she gets kidnapped, and he ends up in a, a a police a police cell, drunk, and they think it's him, and then he wakes up, and he's suddenly in a hotel room with no walls or windows and he i think it takes him quite a while to punch his way out of it and try to figure out who has done this thing yeah it's a great film oh boy it, it's it's a, there's a scene can i talk about the movie can well I give if it away we say or? spoilers now and if you have not seen oh boy then please skip ahead one minute in now, the podcast. I, you know now you know what don't let's just just okay. trust me Trust me, if you, I've seen that movie many times because I just, it just gets, it's, it's just unbearable. Um, <laughs> it's unbe- it's unbearable. And I don't know if that's scary, but it's just unbearable. Yeah. I just, I, did you is, find that? Yeah. Well, the ending yeah. is like, holy shit. Yeah. It's a yeah. really, it's a really good film. Good yeah. shout. So I think I like those ones. But the thing that I remember being scared again as a kid, one of the wholesome movies I remember my mum Mm-hmm. Uh, letting us watch was the Wizard of Oz, which isn't uh, really a scary movie. Isn't really a scary movie unless you're a little crybaby like me. <laughs> but I was really young when I saw it, and I yeah. and I got nightmares. You know when the tornado hits and the teacher's riding her bike, and then the teacher turns into the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah, that's fucking Wicked, scary. Wicked, that that when the cows are spinning round, which yeah. is an amazing amazing film effect for that day. Yeah, that. That terrified me as a kid. And my mother, and I remember my mother has reminded me of me screaming and crying in the middle of the night. My mom coming in to console me because of that moment where the teacher on the bicycle turns into the witch on the broom. That's the scariest film moment I've ever, I've ever had. I mean, I I pray you never see Return to Us, the sequel (laughs) that is one of the scariest films you'll ever see. Is it? Okay. It makes Wizard of Oz look like a kid's film. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Put it that way. All right. What is the film that most people don't like? It is not critically acclaimed, but you love it and you don't care what anyone says. It's a really hard one. I like films. 
because I I think when you're told not that you're not allowed to watch mm. them, then you you then sort of I, I love trait. seeing yeah, and I love indie films, and I love I don't really like big blockbusters generally. Mm-hmm. I always go I like you know I like I like the dogma films, and I like Lars von Trier, and I like all sorts of weird little stuff. But there's a film there's a film actor called Dan Haggerty who was yeah. Grizzly Adams, right? Great Canadian actor. Mm-hmm. And he did a film called Elves, which is a horror movie set at Christmas time. Do you know I, Elves? I don't know Elves, but I like the set. Dan Haggerty, it's a terrible, terrible film, <laughs> which I love and could watch again and again. Dan Haggerty plays a drunken, washed up cop detective. Mm-hmm. Who, who's lost his job because he's a drunkard. And he is also this, he's a superstore Santa Claus who's a drunk. And these kids, these kids get locked in the shop. They're, they're, they're shoplifting, get locked in the shop after the shop closes. And the girls, one of the girls in the group, her father is a Nazi uh, scientist who's escaped from Nazi Germany. And he's created these Nazi elves that he are going to impregnate the girl to see if they can create a master race. And Dan Haggerty, Santa Claus, the washed up cop, saves the day. Or does he? Or does he? Spoiler alert. Sounds does he? fucking good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Sounds pretty good. I love it. I okay. love it. I don't think I don't think it rates on anyone's radar, but I love it. <laughs> good shout. I'm putting it on the Thank list. Um, okay. What's a film that you used to love, but you've watched recently and you've gone, oh, I don't like this anymore? For whatever reason that may be, it was a Dangerous Liaison with uh, John Malkovich. I love Dangerous Liaisons. Why not now? Well, I watched it again. Yeah, go on. I thought I I remember I remember because that was one of the movies that Barry and I and Islada would drive downtown. We went to watch Dangerous Liaison. We love John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. It's got Uma Thurman in it, and she, I mean, she, at that time we were just young guys. We adored Uma Thurman, and Glenn Close is a phenomenal actress. Yeah. And I remember it being really great. I remember it being really, but then you you go back and you realize it's just very eighties. Right. It was because remember that was that was around the time of Amadeus from Falco yeah. and and um, Amadeus with um, uh, what's his name Tom Holtz. Um, Tom Holtz. So it, that that even powdered wigs even came back in slightly for a moment there. <laughs> I think in the new romantic period. Did you ever have one? A powdered wig? Think, that would suit I, you. I might get one now. I think I I'd, <laughs> like, I was too young for it, but I'd, I think it would suit me, actually. I think it would, because you've got that kind of dark beard. I think it suits yeah. you if you've got a white powdered wig. So anyway, <laughs> I, I watched it I watched it again. Yeah. And I remembered watching it. I love John Malkovich's performance. He's so lovely and slimy and snaky. Um, but he's not it's not his fault, it really. It's kind of a game between Glenn Close plays a game and loses. But it's just very 80s. And mm. there's a bit of there's a few sex scenes in it and a bit of and a bit of nudity. And I now I think Oh, that's why I liked it. That, I think that's why I liked it so much because I, I was like a, I was like a, te- yeah. a, a repressed, te- a repressed Scottish teenager with a lisp. <laughs> this is the best film ever made. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. Okay. Exactly. No, because no, no, but because it because it, it looked like an art house. It was. Yeah. It's an art house film. It's got nudity, and they're wearing wigs. It must be good. E- exactly. It's period yeah. nudity. 
So, so it, I, I was in, I was into Shakespeare and all sorts of like reading poetry and stuff. I, at one point, I I was reading like Korean poetry and thought that I, maybe I'd been reincarnated from a Korean prince. Anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> and, and, and and I thought Dangerous Liaison was so romantic, but I watched it recently and it's actually it's a little bit offensive. <laughs> interesting, interesting answer. Yeah. Okay. What okay. is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film is any good but because the experience you had around seeing the film that will always make it special to you. Uh, well, this is, a, this is an easy one. It's What Women Want. Go on. And no. it was, uh, Mel and Gibson, I, Helen I, Hunt. I, Mel Gibson, Helen, Helen Hunt. What an actress. Mm-hmm. So I went home to Canada. My parents live in Canada. It was New Year's Eve. I'd gone out and done some gigs. And then on New Year's Day, I was living in a house with a bunch of comedians. And we have a party called the Survivor's Party. And it's basically for comedians who have done a gig the night before. You can show up there at noon and the party continues. And it's sort of like the end of the year. Like we don't get a Christmas party because we're all working. So I had come straight from that party to the airport and then got home. And I... I'd broken up with my partner and went home to my mom and dad. My mom and dad are still lovely, lovely to see them, but I needed to get out of the flat and go and see a movie. So I went to see the only movie that was on at 10 o'clock at night. I actually went to the mall. So if my mom watches this, she'll be angry at me, but I I was, I I used to smoke cigarettes and she didn't know that. Disgusting. She may may now know. Anyway, she may now, my dad may, my dad, my dad will definitely, and listen to this podcast and find out. And it was a disgusting habit. So I went over to the mall and I used to smoke behind the bins with the teenagers who were looking at me like, who's this weirdo? And mm-hmm. then at 10 o'clock, the only movie that was on was What Women Want. Now, if you've not seen What Women Want, it's about a guy who can read women's minds. And it's uh, so hard on Mel, poor Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt. What an actress. So I was actually sitting in the, there was, there was, there was only three other people in the cinema and it was three young kids who were from like the, who lived near me sitting the row just behind me. And they're just taking the piss. They just come there for the same reason. I just to get out, but I wasn't really caring. I didn't really care about them, but the scene where Helen Hunt where Mel's gone and the flat is empty and you can, Helen Hunt has got, all of her furniture's moved and it's over. And I, I broke down and I tell you how, what a great actor she is. I knew that it was a set. I knew that it wasn't a real flat. I knew that you could see on the floor, there was no like the, the marks on the floor that furniture, but that wasn't there because it was a shit set. I knew all that, but Helen Hunt is such a good actress. She was so believable. She puts her hand against the door frame and she's crying and I'm crying. She's, <laughs> Helen Hunt is amazing. I believe there, I knew this was on the Warner Brothers lot. I've been there. I knew where it was filmed. I, I knew it was sunny out. It's rain in the background. It's raining, pouring with rain. I knew that was fake rain. But even then, Helen Hunt is so good that I broke down and I started crying and I'm bawling into my hands after like on a come down. And all I can hear is these three kids going, "Look at him! Look at him! Man. He's crying! He's crying!" And I was like so upset with myself because I was crying because Helen Hunt is such. A Helen good actress. Hunt. They, yeah. Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. Motherfucker. Helen Hunt was in a movie called Quarterback Princess. Have you ever seen that? I've not seen Quarterback Princess. Oh, come on. Are you not a <laughs> Helen Hunt fan? <laughs> Helen, Helen Hunt was in a movie called Quarterback <laughs> Princess, where she plays a girl. And the opening scene is her throwing a can of Coke across a, the school the school cafeteria. And mm. she catches She throws it. And then someone throws it back. She catches it. She's got the best arm in the school. But the coach is a, a guy from Texas who won't 
not going to let a girl play on our team. And and Helen Hunt's dad, and I forget who plays her dad, but it's someone really good, like Jeff Daniels or someone. You gotta, you, she's got to play. So quarterback princess, she ends up, well, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that wants to watch quarterback princess, but she's such a good actress. I believe she threw that football. <laughs> I, Helen Hunt is a great football player. She, she's a quarterback and an actor. She's the greatest quarterback actor. we have. Exactly. And when she throws the winning pass, anyway, I won't want to spoil it for you, but um, Helen Hunt, quarterback princess, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I just want that added quote on its own. That will be the, the advert for this episode. And the, and the advert for quarterback princess. Why not? What is the <laughs> film that you most relate to? What's the film you most relate to, Phil Nichols? Well, you know, I, 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 that's a tough one, really. One of the movies that meant a lot to me growing up was a movie called Comfort and Joy, which is mm. a Bill Forsyth movie. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, we saw it because it, it's set in Cumbernauld, and that's where I was born. I was born in Cumbernauld, Scotland. And the school in Gregory's Girl, which is also a Bill Forsyth movie, they go to Abron Hill High School or Abron Hill School. And that's where my brothers were at school when we left for Canada. Mm-hmm. So there's something very comfortable about it. And it was I was a teenager and I was madly in love with Claire Grogan. So I remember, if you know the movie Comfort and Joy, it's... um. Bill Patterson plays uh, Dickie Bird, who's a, a DJ who's broken up with his, his, his broken hearted. And the and these ice cream, it's an ice cream truck war. It's based on there was an ice truck ice cream war in Scotland, the two Italian families. And and that's what the movie is about. And I just remember not being able to take my eyes off the screen because of waiting for Claire Grogan to come back on screen. I've yeah, since yeah. met her. I met her in Edinburgh. And she's, yeah? she's awesome. She, she's as awesome as you think she is. She's uh. just great. And that and that was it, really. Uh, and that's, I mean, I, it's, does, does that work? Yeah, that it's completely comfort- works. It's- that's exactly right. That is the correct answer. That's the correct answer. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You, thank you got you. it right. I mean, I was thank hoping you. you'd say confidential, and you did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the other one that I really liked, which doesn't have anything to do with me, is, is the semi-autobiographical movie Pecker by John Waters, which is an amazingly funny film. The, the, the grandmother who speaks through a, a nun puppet. Anyway, it's, <laughs> but it's all based on... Based on his real life, as but in he, instead of being a filmmaker, he's a little, he's a little boy that takes photographs and ends up going to New York with an exhibition. Yes. And it's about a it's about a little boy that had this drive to go and do stuff. And I related to it not because I'm anything like as nearly as talented or brilliant as John Waters, but that when I was seven, I was one of those acting kids. I really was determined to become an actor, and I left home when I was seventeen to go and do it. And so mm. that would be the one. His family, the, John John Waters' family seems nuts. <laughs> like, like the whole, like he said, I've read in interviews that he's like, it's not as far off as people think. People think it's a flight of fancy. Yeah, it's yeah. actually a lot closer to reality. Yeah. Uh, which would explain that. him. Yeah. Which would explain him probably. Great movie. I love that movie. Great movie. I love him. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is, oh, Phil, I'm assuming you've got a good answer for this one. What's the sexiest film you've ever seen? Well, the sexiest film I was—I uh, mean, do you mean it depends what you mean by sexy? I mean, they're sexy as in that's like sharp and sexy, or they're sexy. You mean like physically sexy? What, did you mean like horniest film, or did you mean like what's the sexiest film? Like, oh, that's sexy. That's good. Which one? <laughs> I guess which one did you to, mean? It's up to your interpretation. I mean, okay. Well, then I mean, in that like, case, what's the film you're like? Fuck it, hell. Yeah. Well, it goes back. Obviously, this is me being an 80s kid mm-hmm. growing up. 
And I remember nine and a half weeks being one that made you go like kind of awakening me going, wow, that's like, that you, mm. that's pretty, it's, it's not really erotica, is it? But it's gets pretty yeah. raunchy. It's a, it's it a sex pretty film. Raunchy. That's a sex film. Yeah. Mickey Rourke did a few of those, didn't he? He did another one about the angel. What's it called? Um, oh, sex, Angel Heart. Fu- that's, angel Heart. That's, that, that's got some sexy scenes in it. Yeah. But compared, yeah. compared, compared to movies now though, those seems those scenes seem really tame. But nine and a half weeks, I remember Kim Basinger just being like, "Wow, wow, wow, that was amazing," and um, some, <laughs> oh, wow. something wild. I was a huge. I was a huge fan of of Michelle uh, Melanie, uh, Melanie Griffith, M- 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 Griffith yeah. when she was young. When she was so young, and something wild is an amazing movie, a Jonathan Demme yeah. movie, and and it's got Ray Liotta in it, and and Jeff it's Daniels Daniel. actually. Yeah. I've just maybe that's where I've said that. Maybe maybe Jeff Daniels isn't in Quarterback Princess. If you go to look at Quarterback Princess looking for Jeff Daniels, he's not in it. Don't blame me. Just just realize you should be watching something wild <laughs> and kick yourself. Should, yeah, wasn't something wild a great movie though? Yeah, great movie. I, I, I have to say, I'm a, I was a fan of Jonathan Demi, and I, yeah. I or is it Jonathan Dem? How would you say Demi. Jonathan Demi? Demi. I, I I just there's the amount of stuff he put out, all different, all interesting, yeah. all. All very, uh, I don't know what the word is, esoteric. All very stylish and 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 sexy. And it's something wild, great. something wild was pretty sexy. And the other one that was sexy like that was um, the one with. Uh, oh, never mind. Okay, <laughs> so I think yeah, that I think those. I think that would be it for me. Nine and a half weeks. Okay, there's a subcategory to this question, Phil Nickel. Mm-hmm. Troubling boners, worrying why dons. What's the film you yeah. found arousing that you weren't sure you should? <laughs> There's not. This isn't me. I I found I found it hard to answer this. It, I I mentioned Kissed before, and I think it's, that's why it was in my mind. I thought I thought Molly Parker. There's a scene in in that movie mm-hmm. where her boyfriend w- is watching her make love to a corpse, and the camera pans up to her in ecstasy, and there's a flash of light, and it's quite. It's it's because there's something. It's wrong, right? It's very wrong. I'd but say, it's a, it's, yeah, women having sex with a corpse would 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 very much fit the bill to this answer. Yeah. So so there's a scene in the movie because you have you have to understand what the film is is it's this guy's in love with this in love with this woman's psychology, but as because he's trying to figure it out, he's trying to she doesn't love him. Mm. He he's in love with her, and he's trying to figure out how to get her to fall in love with him. So he starts watching her. And then there's a scene in the mortuary where she's with an embalmed body and it's, it's just shot in a really erotic fashion. And I remember thinking, holy shit, this is wrong. <laughs> like, this is wrong. <laughs> I should not be feeling these feelings. You can't. But, you know, it's a movie, so it wasn't real. You really got that answer right as well. That's two answers you've got exactly right. <laughs> Thank uh, you. What is objectively objectively might not be your favorite but what is objectively the greatest film of all time i i would say blade runner um, nice. for a variety of reasons because it was ahead of its time it it came out it was up against the star wars films which are okay i'm not a star wars fan sorry everybody but they're okay they're, they're obviously magnificent works of brilliance and whatever but i thought blade runner was a much more it was about something very real Mm. And we're actually seeing it's coming, things like that. We can, we're coming closer to the fruition of having that 
actual things happening where there's replicants and cyborgs and those things. I think we can actually see that it might, those things might actually occur, even though it was said in 2019. Yeah, yeah. But the opening, but I saw the director's cut, which doesn't have the, um, doesn't have the, the voiceover. And it's an amazing film. Yeah. It's an amazing film. It's just gorgeous. It's gorgeous. The Vangalis music, it's just I had, like t- timeless because it's really hard to write futuristic music. Mm. That that still remains futuristic even now. It still sounds futuristic. The only other one that did that was Clockwork Orange, where they, you've got an incredible soundtrack. So they try to imagine what pop music would be like in the future, and it's just mental. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very, yeah. very good answer. Yeah. What's the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? Well, I would have to say Spinal Tap, just because scene after scene, it's a classic. Yeah. There's not a bad. There's not a bad scene in it. Kick my ass. You know, kick this guy's ass, kick this guy's ass, because there's no one at the record store. It's just so good. Like, and I, I went to see it with Barry. Again, I went, I went with my friend Barry, Barry Davis, and we went into the cinema. There was no one. This is, I live out in the suburbs where people have no clue. Yeah. And we walked up and we said to the guy, like in, in back in the days when people that worked in cinemas had to wear suits and bow ties. And we went, yeah. what's this movie like? He went, oh, I don't know. It's not very good. And we were like, well, is it supposed to be really funny? He went, no, it's really dry. <laughs> and we watched, we're sitting there looking, this is not dry. <laughs> I think he thought it was an actual documentary. Yeah. Like, Paul Schaefer, Paul yeah. Schaefer. Yeah. And the other, the, the other, the other one that, the other one that I watched back to back, cause I, I couldn't believe it was real. I couldn't believe I'd watched it. Um, Kerry Marks and I, we, around Christmas time, he's Jewish and I, I don't worship the baby Jesus so much. And my family are in Canada. We used to have Yuletide and, and pretend we were pagans for about seven days. And we, <laughs> and, 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 and so we'd watch, we'd only choose films that were, that were anti-Christ or not, or not about Jesus at all. Right. And the only one that ever caught us out was Ben-Hur, which actually has Jesus in it, which we, yeah. we were disgusted with it. But we watched a <laughs> French film called, called Man Bites Dog. Man Bites Dog. That is a is horrible film. A- Oh, unbelievable! And we were we were wasted. We'd been up like quite late. It was quite yeah. it was like the last film of the night, and we, and we just got closer and closer to the television because we couldn't believe we were drinking and we were like stunned. And the and w- the way it ends, it's just like it, it's not satisfying in any way. It's totally disturbing. It's yeah. completely and it's funny. Yeah, and it's and it's really really funny. You think I shouldn't be laughing at this, but. It's just so well done. It's yeah. and I could watch I could watch that again and again and again. We watched it. We we put we finished it and put it on immediately and watched it again twice <laughs> two, twice in a row. That's how good it was. It was amazing. Oh wow! What is now? We don't like to be negative, Phil. So we'll do it fairly. No, quickly. of course. What's of the course worst not, film yeah. you've ever seen? Well, as I said, I I've never made a film. I've tried to make a few short films, so. I would hate to criticize anyone's effort to make a film. But if someone is a lauded filmmaker and then makes something that you think is a bit duff, then I think it's fair enough to criticize it, right? Is that fair enough, right? So whatever you it, want. Tenant, Tenant, Christopher Nolan's Tenant. It just it, it's just rubbish. <laughs> it's just rubbish. It's, <laughs> it's absolute rubbish. <laughs> what what the fuck was it? What a waste of time and effort. 
Okay, so sorry, and I think I've just really of Christopher Nolan will never have me any of his films. <laughs> I just, I didn't, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I love his films. I just yeah. expected so much, and I was, I was sitting there going, "Oh, come on." Other people said it was Mother. They hated Mother. I thought Mother was brilliant. I, I mother. thought Mother because I thought Mother was so again disturbing. It, it yeah. physically made you ill. And Eraserhead did that. David David Lynch actually used, I don't know if you probably know this because you're the film buff, used sound, the sound that David Lynch used in Eraserhead was made purposely to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Like this, so it gets on, in under your skin. And Mother did that. He's the best at that. Whereas Tenet just made me want to leave, but I stayed because I'd paid money. <laughs> I nearly left the cinema. I, I, why would you leave a cinema watching? Just go, oh, come on, that's not a Russian accent. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what is the film you're in you're a comedian you're an award you're you're technically the best comedian what is the film <laughs> oh, that made you laugh the most well i love christopher guest and that group of guys yes and i love and i love they're all those films are good mighty win best in show but i waiting for guffman was the one that got me because i'm a theater kid Amdram Theater was something that was just really, I just know the world and I know the yeah. characters and I just found, I just found it's also very important, self-important and that, and they just love, they just nail that so beautifully. But the other, the, but I think that's a film that I enjoyed the most as a comedy, but the one that probably made me laugh out loud is a Martin Scorsese film called After Hours. Yes, with, uh, I know with, it. With, with, love it. With Griffin Dunn, Griffin Dunn, Roseanne Arquette. It's just... It's just brilliant. And the way it resolves, brilliant. Just funny. It's just, there's again, there's not a bad scene in it. It's just yeah. really, really funny film. And I could watch that again and again. So It's very you after hours. I Is it? That. Yeah. So? yeah. Yeah. I think your yeah. your shows are like after hours. Is, are they? Well, I guess, well, yes. They're like they... a, often like a wild ride, you know, a wild sort of experience of of, of chasing a thing and and all the mad people you meet and experiences you have. You know what? I've never put that together. And mm. I wonder if it's not had a direct effect on my own storytelling that, because I lo- I got to meet Griffin Dunn. I oh. went to, um, I was in New York uh, doing a play um, with the Donmar and I was in drop, name dropping, but I, I was, but I got, it was I London. It. it was New York, New, New York fashion week. And I was with um, Simon Morley from the puppetry of the penis who lived out in Connecticut. Yeah. We're friends and he's friends with Griffin Dunn. And we went to a party, like a big, fashion party with like madonna and all these people there and we were like griffin dunn i was in a t-shirt and jeans and uh, jean shorts and everyone else has done up to the nines and griffin dunn was like in just like a like a shirt you'd wear a bank and, a, and, a, and some <laughs> jeans and some loafers and people were coming up to saying looking at him like looking at us like why are you guys here and not realizing he's probably he's probably one of the most famous people in the room right yeah. and and then and then we were upstairs on a balcony oh, maybe i shouldn't tell this story i'll tell you the story and then you can tell me whether or not you should keep it in okay should I tell you the story? Please tell me the story. We, we basically, there was one bath, one toilet. Mm-hmm. And when we both had the same experience. When we went to the toilet, you had to queue up. And in the queue, they'd all be talking, all fashionistas talking to each other, funny hats and kooky glasses and big funny mustaches and yeah. knee-length boots and weird, all this like fashion stuff. And I'm in like t-shirt and sneakers. Uh, so I just didn't want to go to the bathroom anymore. I didn't want to queue up for the toilet. Neither did and we. We. I was telling him that, and he went, uh, "I just had the same experience." And then about an hour or two later, he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to go to the bathroom again." And I went, "Oh," and he went, "We just like it was like it's like a swimming pool. Like someone someone left someone's house." <laughs> 
hey, let's like just come over here. And there was like just a like a flower bed. <laughs> anyway, you don't need to know the rest of the story. Tell, I think you can tell that. I think that's a a pretty a pretty big scoop. Weird. The thing is, we'd been taking grief off people all night, just feeling yeah. like we're not. We're, no one wants us here. We're, we're ruining the vista for them by being two morons in yeah. in street clothes when they're when they're trying to have a fashion party. So we weed in their plant pot. So, <laughs> so you turned it into American Pie too. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I love you, Griffin. I love you, Griffin. I love you, Griffin. I love you, Griffin. Yeah. All right. Great. And also, really, really uh, awesome guy. So I saw after hours when I was with Barry Davis in my big, all my film years, mm-hmm. meeting him was like, I just couldn't believe it. I felt like I was meeting one of the most famous people I've ever met in my life. He's so great. I love, yeah, love, really love great. him in American World of London. I think. He's yes. He's everything he's phenomenal. done. Everything he's done. And, and, and he gives me hope as well as, as an actor that you don't have to be the big starry, most famous actor. You can do really good work and just be in lots of things and be, and and have some respect. So that's yeah, and he's a great director yeah. as well. Um, Absolutely, Phil Nickel. Yes, you have been beyond a delight. You've been oh. more joy than could ever have been expected of you. <laughs> However, Uh-oh. when you were playing Russian roulette with your friend, and you, yeah. much like Hamilton, were being a gentleman, and you said, "Let's play Russian roulette," but you didn't think we were really yeah. going to play Russian roulette, and your friend. Yeah. Yeah. thought well there's no bullets in here are there and your friend said to you yeah. there's not bullets in here are there and you being a bloody comedian went no of course not even though you knew there were because you thought yeah. we're both on the same page here we both get yeah. jokes and he pulled the trigger and shot you in the fucking head yeah and and not only did it when he saw that happen the worst thing is he then started dancing and i was like whoa man <laughs> What? He did. He actually got he got the bit of my skull on his heel and spun on it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I was walking past. I've got a coffin with me. You know what I'm like. And I yeah. hear this bang. I'm like, what's going on in there? Where's Phil? And I walk in. There's your mate dancing around with your skull. And I'm like, what has happened in here? And he goes, he told me, I said there weren't bullets in it. He said it wasn't. No one's going to convict me in a court of law. I said, well, if he said there were no bullets in, you're absolutely innocent. But I do have to say, dancing around with bits of his skull isn't going to help your case. <laughs> I get the bits of you that I can. I, I put you in the coffin. There's blood everywhere. There's there's bits of skull. I'm having to grab stuff off your mate. He's still holding on to bits of you. Anyway, <laughs> I stuff you all in the coffin. But there's yeah. more of you than I was expecting, right? There's so right. much oh, more. Hmm. Stuff know. you in. And the thing is, it's full. This coffin is yeah. rammed full yeah. to the brim. Yeah. There's really only okay. enough room. There's no room in this. There's enough room for me to slip one <laughs> DVD into the side. Oh, no. To take across <laughs> to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. And one night, it's your movie night. What <laughs> film are you showing everyone in heaven when it's your movie night? Phil Nickel. <laughs> heaven can wait. <laughs> Great movie. Great movie. Great movie. And just, I think they'd get, they'd be tickled by it. And Great it, you know, movie. they'd relate to it. Great movie. Great heaven movie and wait. no one has brought it to heaven. That is an excellent answer. Th- thank you, Brett. <laughs> Phil Nickel, you are a joy. Is there anything you would like to tell people to look out for or to listen to or to watch? Uh, well, I'm working on my very own podcast called Songs in the Key of Laugh. Oh, it's nice. on the. It's a, a celebration of comedy songs and musical comedians. Uh, it's, it's out on uh, the first one comes out October 6th. 
So this may be after that. It's with Nick Helm. We're interviewing. Hey. We do. We 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 talk about comedy songs and similar to the show uh, with this our podcast. What comedy songs mean to each mean to us? Songs that have affected us. How they are a bit ubiquitous. And then we interview some of the best purveyors in the world. So we've got Tim Minchin coming up and Jess wow. Robinson, and um, I've got uh, hopefully the Mighty Bush and Slide of the Concords. But I haven't I haven't really asked them yet. <laughs> well, now they know. But this is your other secret. Now they know yeah, yeah exactly that's very cool man that's cool well i look forward yeah. to it thank you for a wonderful time and i hope thank you, you very have much brad a good day lots thank of love you. to you enjoy your films thank you enjoy your films quarterback <laughs> princess go watch it <laughs> yes do it today <laughs> <laughs> oh quarterback princess what 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 a laugh. So that was episode 168. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat, secrets and videos with Phil. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and write about the film that means the most to you and why it means such. Thank you very much. It's a lovely thing to read. Helps numbers, always makes us all cry. Thank you so much to Phil for doing the show. Thank you all for listening means a lot. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week, where I've got a very special guest that shall not be told here. You'll have to tune in. So that is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour, Maureen. Yeah, thank you.